Purple Insider presented by Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com slash insider and learn about the Tall Boy can, which actually has water. Find out where you can get it near you at liquiddeath.com slash insider. to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar along with former Minnesota Viking Jeremiah Searles. Uh, Jeremiah, as an offensive player, um, were you uh, okay with Chris Jones being penalized for stripping uh, Derek Carr last night, falling on him, and uh, getting a flag? I mean, absolutely not. But I'm also, I might be more upset about the Grady Jarrett one. The Grady Jarrett one against Tom Brady on Sunday was just, it's so bad. And now you even have guys calling for like, well, they have to replay. Replay roughing the passer is like, no, it's very obvious when you rough the passer or not. Like, it's very obvious. We're making this way harder than it needs to be. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. And Anthony Barr is responsible for doing this. Oh, yeah. 100%. Falling with his body weight onto, onto Aaron Rodgers and injuring him, then caused this preposterous rule where your body weight can't fall on the quarterback. But Chris Jones even reached out his arm and he tried to stop his body weight, even though the ball was already out. It was, the ball was in his hands. He had already cradled the ball. He couldn't, if he would have put both hands down, to brace himself, he would have fumbled the football. Like, I don't know what, what do you want from the guy? Like, it was absolutely. And then now it's like, but you can't land on them, but you also can't like swing them to the ground either. But you can't two hand push them to the ground. You just can't even touch them. Like, it might as well be like you just kind of shoulder bump them. And if they fall down, great. If not, great. Because it's just, it's gotten so far out of hand. Now, and the thing is that there is some like reality in it that I think is good. Like, you want to protect quarterbacks you don't want injured quarterbacks because we've seen that this year and it gets pretty bad when you get a bunch of backup quarterbacks in there okay so that's fine and i agree with that i remember when they first started implementing these rules that all the players were like i'm gonna quit playing football before i can't you know gouge the guy's eyes out on the way down you're like okay well relax pal just tackle him normally uh the follow-through hit was totally unnecessary when we were growing up it used to be like releases the ball one, two drills, the quarterback. Anyway, nobody needs that. That's a late hit. It's a very common sense thing. It's very much like know it. When I see it, I know that man did not do anything to intentionally try to hurt Derek Carr or to put Derek Carr in danger. And I, and I love Tom Palacero's tweet last day. He's like first guy ever flagged for this while holding the football. Like, yeah, that's, that's a new one, but I, I just feel like this is such a common sense thing to be able to litigate. Yeah. It's not hard. Like you said, and like the thing is, I think that refs are so concerned about it now that they're like probably going to get they're They're probably more scared about getting dinged about not calling it than just erring on the side of caution of like, eh, let's just call it and see what happens. You know, like it's got, it. I don't know how you fix it either. You know, they tried to do the whole reviewing of the, pass interference thing but it just paces the game so slowly like when you're reviewing a penalty like that it's like the targeting rule in college like when you're just like and a potential penalty under review it's like okay well who's reviewing it like some guy in new york being like well did he hit him really hard or in slow-mo here does it just look terrible 
but like almost every tackle in slow motion looks like it's just the most aggressive thing of all time. But in real time, like it's so simple to tell, like, was it late? Or did he hit him in the neck or head or below the knee? Like, that's really all it should be, is if it's an egregious late smoked him, if you hit him in the head, or if you go below his knees. Like, those are really the only times that I think you should throw roughing the passer. And I don't like the idea that they're trying to make football soft. I mean, I know that Trey Aikman implied that last night. That was not the right thing to say, Troy. Don't be doing that. Uh, I think what it is, is there's just too many complicated rules for the referees to follow how can a referee himself standing back there evaluate in real time all the things that are happening and did he put his weight on him is just impossible i mean even standing on the sideline at training camp you cannot believe how fast things happen and i know that these guys are are very well trained and they're supposed to have eyes on certain things but stuff just happens like the guy grabs the ball from him as he's falling on him like i don't know he just saw it wrong i mean i for one summer i did uh umpiring for like you know teenagers games and I blew some calls because it was hard to see, right? It was hard to see. I remember one time a kid ran kind of a little out of the baseline and another kid was reaching to tag him and I didn't see the tag, but the outfielder was like, oh yeah, we tagged him easily. And I was like, well, I don't know. I can't see from that angle. What do you want? I was like, it's, that was hard. So imagine this. And then the NFL just keeps pouring rules and pouring emphasis and everything else. And like, I don't know. I think that that, that the referee sort of had his mind in the place where he was supposed to be per the NFL. Not like, so we're blame him specifically, but it's like, well, that shouldn't even be a thing to begin with. Yeah. You can't ask someone to be, I mean, especially like Chris Jones beats the O-lineman. So the O-lineman is now between the ref and Chris Jones and Derek Carr. And all you see is big red body going down on top of Derek Carr. So it's like, uh, probably a penalty. And you just chuck it. Like you can't blame the refs. You can't. You're asking them to do too much. You're asking them to try and do what the NFL asks them because if they don't, they're going to get fired. They want to keep their jobs too. Like they're going to ones. They're the ones that'll lose their jobs if they don't call it. Versus, it's a lot easier to be like, yeah, probably shouldn't have called that. Versus the other way of like, oh shoot, I just got Derek Carr hurt, so I'm going to get dinged by the NFL. And it's just it. There's no right answer to it, right? Because those guys are graded too by the league. Yep. And so they're evaluated and they want to make sure they get them right by throwing the right penalties and so on and so forth. Uh, and if, like you said, if it's a quarterback injury, then everybody's going to be talking about, oh, well, that quarterback was injured. And they didn't even flag him like with the Aaron Rodgers play. <laughs> yeah. uh, but and, and the other problem is if you try to leave it to the discretion of the refs, was he really trying to hurt him or not? Then that opens up a whole new can of worms of like, oh, we're just leaving it in the hands of uh, Billy the ref. Uh, so I think it's, I think it is difficult, but the answer does seem there, which is someone in the booth who is watching the broadcast in real time who can see what happened and buzz down quickly and say, when something is egregiously wrong, just say, no, 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 wrong. Change that. And then they can just change it instantly. How many calls per game would you say are egregiously wrong? Two? Yeah, Three? one or two. Yeah, it's not that many. If if Sky judges up there and just buzzes down, you're wrong, then you can fix it quickly. And look, that they've got the money. They've got yeah. the money for one more ref. <laughs> and the technology. And dude, there's enough cameras, dude. There's cameras freaking everywhere. Like, you just need to have, like, the master controller up there that's just got, like, 20 computer screens. 
that just has every camera view and he can just look. I think that's not a bad thing, but I wonder if ego gets in the way of that, you know, where it's like er, wrong. And the side judge is like, BS, he held him. We're calling it. And he's like, nope, we're not calling it. And he's like, this is stupid. And then like, I can see that get coming an issue too. It would only really have to be on plays that were like pass interference. And can we get rid of the underthrow pass interference? Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Are you kidding me? The underthrown ball is the absolute best pass interference of all time. Cause that happened again last night and just what, but then, you know, you also had defensive holding on a kickoff, which is, I mean, this is, this is the, the problem, right? Like football and bad calls. When, when I see people say, Oh, it's worse than ever. I'm like go, go back and watch an old game, man. <laughs> they couldn't even figure out who was out of bounds. Right. Like they had no idea with before they had the replay and stuff. And these refs are better than they've ever been. I just think that uh, they've made it too, too complicated. And with every game being as watched as it is, there is a solution there. So anyway, well, uh, I wanted to play a game with you regarding the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. And it's a game that people who've listened to us are very familiar with. It is love to see it, hate to see it, but it is for a full episode of love to see it, hate to see it regarding the Minnesota Vikings. So um, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with a love to see it or a hate to see it? I'll start with a love to see it. Okay. Nope. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay, I go love ahead. I love to see Christian Derrissaw throwing dudes around. I mean, not just like, oh, I'm blocking dudes, but dominating individuals. And he had some unbelievable blocks. I mean, pancakes throwing dudes like around he was just playing at an all pro level yesterday and i'd love to see him and his growth and we've talked about him a lot on this show but i mean it's so nice to have a bright spot at that position you know when you have a bright spot at the left tackle position you can do a lot of really good things and it's showing why we're winning football games you know so he is a love to see it in a big way of his development his physicality and just his level of play that he's at right now and, and this one, uh, yeah, I feel particularly good about because I was standing on the sideline and I feel that I have used my uh, my training from mm. years of Alex Boone and Jeremiah Searles <laughs> listening to you guys talk about what to watch for, looking at tape with you guys and things like that. And during training camp, I've sat there and watched Darisaw quite a bit. I was like, this dude looks like he's really getting it. Like every day against Zadarius, he's not getting beat. Like what is going on? And then I sat down with Christian to talk about it. And the guy just seemed like in a really good place because last year was so hard for him uh, going through the injury, missing all of training camp. And we had a really good discussion about it. I wrote about it uh, and I just came out of that thinking, I think this guy might be like ready to take that big step. And so you love to see that coming to fruition for a young player to be drafted in the first round. And it just clicks the way it's supposed to after he got off to such a tough start. And anytime as a rookie, you get out and, and you didn't exactly go through this without uh, expectations in your career. But if you know of this with first round picks, though, it's like by game three, if the guy's not a star, it's just what is going on with this first round pick. And so with Darisaw not playing right away, then all of a sudden, is he going to be hurt all the time? And I think that it's fair to say that he is becoming one of the best tackles in the entire league. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you talk about, especially in the division, I mean, he's probably number one or number two left tackle in the NFC North by far. You know, Bakhtiari's still kind of getting himself back to where he needs to be, and he's up there. But you look around, and he's definitely up there when you have to talk about top five tackles overall. He's absolutely got to be in that conversation just with the consistency of his play. You know, I think that when you're evaluating a lineman, the number one thing to look for is has he done it week in and week out against high level competition? 
he's played against some really high level competition in these first few games. You know, he's done a fantastic job. So just continue to see him to continue to get better and better. Uh, I'm looking up right now and it may be like freezing my computer. Uh, his PFF grades. He is number two overall graded in the entire NFL by PFF right now. Christian Derso. The, the only one higher is Andrew Thomas of uh, the Giants. So that's uh that's a pretty good start to the season. Not a bad Derso. way to go. Yeah. Have I ever asked you about how you uh, feel about the PFF grades? They didn't hate your game. They thought you were decent. They thought I was okay. You know, yeah. if, if, if I would have been playing off PFF, I'd got played a lot longer, I think. You know, I think PFF's very good at what they do as far as with the limited knowledge that they have. I think it's really easy to say, hey, oh, PFF doesn't know this, doesn't know that. It's like, yeah, you know, the thing, but they can tell if you got beat or not. Like, yeah, they can't tell if it's a weird scheme, it's a trap scheme, and you go split one way and someone goes the other way, and, like, you don't know all that. But overall, I think PFF does a nice job as far as just saying, like, win-loss percentage and that thing. The one thing that I don't understand is how they grade the pass-blocking efficiency because a guy can have 75 pass snaps, and he gets beat on three of them, and his grade's like a 55. It's like, well, you know, okay, but like, yeah, you're going to get beat eventually. Like not everyone's. And so that's the one thing I have for O-linemen, but I think they do a really nice job. I'll tell you this. I got a chance to work with a guy who had PFF ultimate um, and what they do as far as how they break that down with win percentages and pass rush and pass rush move and all that stuff is outstanding. And it's all tied into the video as well, is my understanding. So every mm-hmm. play, they've got all the analytical details uh, statistically, and then you can go look at it. Um, so I, I did talk to an offensive line coach. I know this is a tangent away from love to see it, hate to see it. An offensive line coach who would use it to identify the negative plays. So instead of him having to watch every single play, he would look at what their negative plays were because those are pretty easy to figure out, mm-hmm. um, right? Like you talk about what they can know, what they can't know. Well, if somebody just gets roasted, then then you could pretty easily figure that out, even if you don't know the play call. And so he would look at those for teach tape to go back and analyze it. It would just save him a bunch of time. So it's really oh, yeah. it's really interesting. Um, and I I don't think that people know exactly how it's used. Uh, but there it, it was funny. One of my favorite moments with our friend Alex Boone was when um, Alex was like, "PFF, they don't know me." And I was like, uh, Alex, they said you were like the best pass blocking uh, guard or whatever on the team. And uh, in 2016, they only he's like, well, I bet they don't know how many pressures I had because we chart them or whatever. It was within like two or three from what <laughs> from what Tony had charted and what PFF had charted. He's like, well, fine, then. <laughs> so yeah, and, arguing anyway. with him is like arguing with a wall. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I wasn't going to push it too far, but um, to your, just to the point, I think the whole offensive line would be a love to see it uh, mm. on the, on the other side though. One of the things you like to see is when a player goes through, and this is similar to Darisaw goes through some moments where you don't know if they're going to go one way or the other. And Cam Dantzler was one of those players. You can't beat out Bashad Breeland at a tough camp Still, even this year, people are saying, does he have the techniques down? And I think there's still some some issues there. But to see him make plays and go in that right direction, uh, you just like you just like to see that for a young player where you're really not sure. Are you going to lose confidence and fail or are you going to you know, kind of take that next step? I think for him, maybe the new coaching staff was really important when we talk about like players who needed that confidence boost as opposed to someone who, who was criticizing everything they do. So Cam Dantzler's emergence as a good corner, love to see it. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think I can remember when he was a young, young player, I mean, even two, three years ago when you're just like, he's just not big enough. Like I can remember Julio Jones just like boxing him out in the end zone and he's just literally behind him and he just plucks the ball. You're like, well, that's going to work over and over and over again. And, you know, to see that he's overcome a lot of those things. And the thing that really has impressed me this year with him is his, his want to and his drive to tackle. You know, like he got little Trey Waynes in him where like, you know, if their ball's coming around the edge, he's going to stick his nose in there and try and turn it back to the inside to his, the, the troops rallying to him or he's going to go out there and make a good play. So I agree with you. Love to see a young player that's really coming into his own in a back end. That was a huge question mark going into the season. And they still have weaknesses. Uh, I think oh, yeah. that the adjustment for Cam Bynum has not been what maybe they wanted it to be. And Shannon Sullivan, now he gets beat on the long catch from Darnell Mooney. That is a Odell Beckham catch, but still he's their weakness in, in that secondary. But if Dantzler continues to play this way, and Peterson plays this way and they stay healthy, it's serviceable mm. much less than it was. We thought it could be disastrous if Cam Dantzler didn't work out. And so now it comes down to, and I'd love your opinion on this, what they're doing schematically I think is a, is a big question because they're not really blitzing anybody and they're just right. kind of sitting back and sitting back, which is kind of the, the way of the world these days, but they're not really blitzing at all. And you saw Justin Fields look as comfortable as he has ever looked in the National Football League last week. Is that the right strategy to try to keep everything in front of you or should they be more aggressive? It's hard to say because we're winning. You know, like I want to say no. I want to be like, no, get after the quarterback. But at the same, it's like, well, we're also four and one and in first place in the division. So it's hard to argue with a strategy when it's working because I think that, <clears throat> especially with the old regime, they could almost get a little too ahead of themselves and be like, oh, well, what if we do this and what if we do that versus I think with O'Connor right now, it's like, let's just stick with what we're doing. It's working. We're winning. And until it rears its ugly head and it's not, then we'll just stay with it. So, you know, I think the idea of making teams go the long way and not stepping on their own, you know, what's is kind of the mentality, right? It's like, well, eventually they'll make a mistake. And then when they do, then we'll be there to basically pick up the pieces or we'll have enough guys in coverage that will intercept it or whatnot versus I think a lot of times defenses press and try and make them make a mistake. And it's like, we're going to blitz and force the sack fumble. We're going to blitz and force the missed plural or whatever versus just allowing teams to just, especially with the young quarterbacks. I mean, let's be real. The bears are bad. And like, you're just going to allow a team like that to eventually make its own mistake. And then you capitalize off that versus trying to press the issue and maybe allowing them to get some momentum and with a big play. Folks, maybe you've noticed people in your office with what looks like an open tall boy at their desk in the morning at work. Well, it's not a beer. It's more likely it's a can of liquid death, which sounds pretty crazy at first, but it's simply mountain water from the Alps. It's called liquid death because it will murder your thirst and kill plastic pollution, which does seem aggressive, but that's their mission. And they are donating 10% of profits to help reduce plastic pollution. The problem is that plastic water bottles often aren't recyclable because they're not profitable to recycle, whereas aluminum cans can be turned into profit. Liquid Death sent me some cases and their water and their sparkling lime are both delicious and maybe I'll have to start pounding them in front of my friends who know I'm not a drinker just to see their reactions. So go get Liquid Death at your local Target, Whole Foods Market, or Hy-Vee or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com insider. That's liquiddeath.com insider. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Vikings pass defense right now, 24th in expected points added against. It's not good. In fact, that's quite a bit worse than they were last year. They were 15th. Last year, they were the worst run defense in the league. Uh, so they did improve that against Chicago, a team that has run the ball mm-hmm. successfully at times. But to have faced, okay, Aaron Rodgers and Jalen Hurts, good. Jared Goff, meh, uh, you know, up and down. And then two, uh, one quarterback who's very inexperienced and maybe not good. And then Andy Dalton, who's a backup. And to be 24th is not great. Now, they don't have an amazing group of quarterbacks coming up. But the way I feel about it is almost any quarterback they face maybe not Skylar Thompson or whatever his name is for Miami. So we'll see how that plays out, but any quarterback they face will have a chance to have a good day against this defense, the way they're playing. But do they want to take the risk of sending more people and leaving someone like Dantzler alone, leaving someone like Sullivan alone? Maybe the last couple of weeks will give them a little more confidence. They also don't really blitz Harrison Smith at all, which I think is odd. Like you, you kept Harrison Smith. Like, are are you going to use them or like, I, I don't really think he's just a deep safety. So that's kind of been interesting to me too, of like that strategy of just kind of sitting there and Hey, if you're going to dink and dunk, but a lot of these quarterbacks have had success in doing it so far against them. Yeah. You know, the other thing is Kendricks is such a skilled blitzer in the a gap too. He does. I mean, he learned from the Zimmer era of the double A's and whatnot, and he knows how to work a center's edge. And I'd love to see him get more involved. And I think just sending five, you know, I'm not saying we need to dial up or we're sending six man pressures, but you know, I think we have enough talent on the front between like winning one-on-one matchups that if you can just single everyone up, like I have pretty good faith in, in our edge rushers, especially in Hunter and Smith, that one of those guys is going to win versus you're always kind of getting one of those guys double teamed. You know, if you're not blending, bringing five, you're bringing four, the center's getting to the guard, the guard's getting out to the tackle, and then now you're double teaming one of your best pass rushers. You know, a lot of teams, oh, excuse me, a lot of teams are going to that just kind of 5-0 look where it's like, you know what? We're just going to basically turn this into a one-on-one drill. And, you know, I've, and I've seen that Miami does that a lot. We'll see that from them where they just say, hey, we're putting our five best pass rushers out here and someone win. You know, I saw Baltimore do that um, against Cincy the other night. Like you're seeing more and more of that. I'd like to see us just have a few more of those packages where it's not even really a true blitz package. It's more just a five-down lineman guy or just cover all five guys up and let them get after it and see who can win. And I've noticed the penny front is being used more often where you have five defensive linemen and only mm-hmm. one linebacker, which I think was actually something you could do on tech mobile three. Uh, mm. But uh, I'll have to go check that. We'll have, we'll have to verify by playing video <laughs> games. Uh, so now to the hate to see it, where do you want to go with the hate to see it? I think the hate to see it's got to be basically the entire second half, except for the one, the one play by cam dancer. Right. I mean, I think that, you really had a lot of confidence going into halftime of this game of like, okay, they put it all together. They're going to beat the crap out of a very much lesser opponent. This is going to be a great tune up in the second half. Maybe we'll see some young guys out there did it to all of a sudden you blinked and you're like, what just happened? Like, I can't even really put my finger on a point of like where it went off the rails, 
but it just seemed like there was just kind of this lackadaisical everything's fine we don't have to really come out like this is still the nfl like these are still big time players whether the team's bad or not like there's really good players over there and you just can't allow teams to hang around like that and just leave it really up to fate of a, a flick of a ball from a loose fumble when a guy should have run out of bounds or not you know i just didn't like the demeanor i hated the demeanor of this entire football team the entire second half of this football game yeah and that really has been kind of the thing i mean they were up 16 to 7 in london now with the lions game that was back and forth for the entire game Mm -hmm. and they were chasing from behind a little bit more but with this one this seemed like the ultimate like show you're for real do what buffalo did to pittsburgh Just run away from this garbage team and you know, let them know, at least for now, who knows long-term, but at least for now, you're a real contender and they're not. Uh, and because both teams, like this is who they wanted to be. That first half is who they wanted to be. Throwing to Justin Jefferson all the time. We're going to go compete for a Super Bowl versus like, oops, we lost by a million. Oh, well, right? Like, hate to see it, but our cap is good. Um So for the second half to allow that team that just is so lacking in talent and to allow a quarterback who's been flummoxed every week almost Mm, to look, thank you, to look as comfortable as he did and as that, I mean, he was, he was like Lamar Jackson. He was running all over the place. He's making plays. He's throwing to open receivers. Like, wait a minute. Why does this guy look so comfortable? I think the hate to see it kind of ties into what we were just talking about uh, regarding this is that you hate to see how comfortable quarterbacks have looked against the Vikings. Mm. The only uncomfortable quarterback was Rodgers and the rest of the, the guys, even Jared Goff, like everyone has looked like, oh, like we could just kind of chill back here. It has not been an impressive pass rush. It, it, it has not have impressive pressure rates. Um, they ended up with a decent pressure rate against Fields, but I think a lot of that was him holding onto the ball a lot and then like waiting and making plays. So you might get a pressure, but then he could still make a play. Um, And I don't know if there's an easy fix for that. If you're not going to blitz, there's not like, oh, why don't they just play Jimmy? Like there's nobody like (laughs) that, that they can just play. Yeah. You you don't fix football teams in October. You know, you don't fix glaring issues. Like everyone's like, well, there's gotta be someone out on the street. It's like, no, if if he was good, he'd be on a team somewhere you know like it's got to come down to the the one way to fix is you just have guys that start winning individual matchups more and more and that's what kind of what we alluded to earlier of lean on your superstars but find ways schematically to help them you know it doesn't have to be because when you do blitz and you send guys off the edge and stuff you're telling your superstars like okay you just got to slant we got to have gap integrity like all that stuff it's moving parts versus just turn them loose being like all right penny front five d linemen just go win just go win you know, I think that's a that's the way that I see you fixing that issue there versus trying to schematically drop pressure is you just got to rely on guys that are proven pass rushers to go out there and do it. And I mean, as much as it pains me to say, I think Wanham's taken a little bit of a step as a pass rusher. You know, I think that he's a guy that last year we were like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? And then this year he's sparked a little bit. But, you know, you put you put him over a guard, you put Smith over a guard, you leave Daniil out over and make you put those two guys on one side and then. You throw Harry in the middle somewhere there, and you just kind of mix and match the matchups of where the weak link in that offensive line is is how you can try and generate some pressure. But you're right. Every quarterback's been able to sit back there, set their feet, first read, second read, and find a place to deal and wheel with the ball. So a uh, question for you on Daniil. Um, now he gets a sack against Fields. Yep. Kind of a cleanup sack. Is, is he not fitting 
in the scheme? Because Ed Donatel kind of implied that there is a learning curve, despite us being told in training camp there was no learning curve by Ed Donatel. <laughs> Funny how those things switch around when it's not working. Uh, but it just hasn't been what we expected it to be with him on that side. And it's like a 30 for 30. Like, what if I told you that DJ Wanham had more pressures than Daniil Hunter? Like, would right. you believe it? Like, no, uh, in less pass rushes. So is there something you can see that's happening there? Or do you think it is just time that, that he needs? I don't know. It's, it's kind of just befuddling. You know, you kind of are, I'm, you're just used to seeing, Daniil throw that long arm out there, stick it in a dude's chest, and then pull himself through over and over and over again. And I don't know if he's just not trusting his technique or if he's just coming out of kind of that two-point stance might be messing with him a little bit or or whatever it may be. Like, you know, you expect to see so much other guy. But then at the same time, like, I think back, it's like, man, he missed a full year of football. Like, a full year. Like, and timing is everything in a pass rush. You know, if you're doing it off your third step or your fifth step or – getting to the junction point and if my slower than I was last year, my faster than I was like, it's still in with pass rush. It's weird because you never get to finish in practice. You know, it's always like get to the quarterback and run by, get to the quarterback and duck underneath whatever. And like finishing in is an art form as a pass rusher. You know, I just don't think that he's fully back into that finishing mode that he's been in for so many years because it's just timing thing. You know, I think that he will get it figured out. He's way too talented not to, but it's just been very strange just to not hear his name and see his number just popping up all over the quarterback by just winning his one-on-ones. Yeah, I do wonder about, like, just he rushed the same way with the same technique in the same spot for so long and had so much success that asking somebody to do something different might take a while or might mm-hmm. not work at all. Um, if you want to go way back in the day, reminds me of the Los Angeles Rams changing Kevin Green's role around. And then he's like, get rid of me. Get me out of here. Goes to Pittsburgh. Is unbelievable in Pittsburgh. It's like, why did you mess with Kevin Green? Like, maybe you should have just done the same things. But coaches are like that. Like, this is my system. We can do it. We can adjust. And I'm not sure that one's going to take time. I'm, I'm not sure if the it's going to be like Rocky for a while. And then just all of a sudden click at the right time midway through the season, or if it's just not going to be the same. And if he doesn't fit, or if those injuries have taken their toll, then, you know, you just need to start having the conversation about that contract and even his future, because mm-hmm. they're like, they're going to be here a while. Probably. Right. Um, right. This isn't going to be like a one or two year thing. Like this is the way they want to play. So uh, that will be something worth watching. I uh, got a little, for my hate to see it, I uh, got a little quiz for you. Um, there's only one other wide receiver on the Minnesota Vikings that averages more than 10 yards a catch, aside from Justin Jefferson. Who is that receiver? Hmm. It's a it's a little bit of a trick. It's a little bit of a trick question, a I'm sure. Is it a tight end? It's not a tight end. It's not no, a tight end. Wide receiver. That's a wide receiver. It's yeah. definitely not Thielen. Nope. It's definitely not KJ Osborne. Sure isn't. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I the, who is it? Please tell me. It is Jalen Naylor who caught the oh. fake punt for 13 <laughs> yards. He is the only other receiver averaging 10 plus per reception. And oh, uh pain. The, here's the the just the facts on this one. If that doesn't change, it's gonna be tough to have a great offense. You can have an okay offense. And especially if the Chicago Bears just let you steamroll them in the first half the way they did with Justin Jefferson. But on a week-to-week basis, 
there's no receiver in the league just that just catches like 150 yards every week, right? So it's always a little up and it's a little down depending on defense, depending on situation. And at this moment, they really can't rely on anyone else. And the maybe the most disappointing one, because it was a little anticipated that Thielen could become more of a possession wide receiver for them based on his last few years. But Osborne, I didn't expect him to be a different version of himself, like get way better. But I expected to be the version of himself that we saw last year. And for whatever reason, maybe because more plays are really focused so much just on Jefferson, I don't know, uh, that he ends up being like a third read or something. But he just has like kind of failed to launch outside of that one catch for the touchdown against Detroit. Yeah, you know, and you look at all the teams that do have just the lock in one wide receiver, you're starting to see the emergence of the second wide receiver for all those teams. I mean, Gabe Davis is a perfect example for the Buffalo Bills, right? Like Diggs is still getting his, but you still have to worry about Gabe Davis. And I love Adam Thielen to death, but he just doesn't look crisp and fast and what he was a while ago. And that's because he's getting older, you know, that's just part of it. And you can be a savvy vet and create separation with technique and that stuff. But, you know, when you have a, you got to have another guy that can blow the roof off of a defense that over the top. And we just don't have the guy. I think, I mean, Jalen Rager, the guy's kind of that idea of what you want, but he just got here, right? Like he just got here. You're not going to be able to just get him up to speed right away with all these things. So, I mean, you see the teams that lock in on Jefferson and they lock in on him and shut him down and things go off the rails, but he is such a special player that if you can just keep plugging him, just keep doing it. But the passing game, it's, it's just, it's so strange. You watch it and you're like, okay, there's the short stuff. Oh, there's the long stuff. And then the next week it's like, it's completely different. You know, like, I don't, I don't know if we can anticipate to see the exact same thing out of this offense next week. And that's the hard part is just the inconsistency in the passing game is going to eventually come up to catch us. Yeah, I, th- I think so as well. And that's kind of what we've seen at times. And I think that that's at the center of the inconsistency. Um, maybe, bef- I mean, there's always Kirk as part of it. Like this is just who he is for his career for inconsistency. And so I, I don't know that it's KJ Osborne playing worse or Kirk isn't looking his way or is, or it's just having those ups and downs. But when your offense is entirely, it's gotta be Jefferson doing everything Um and you can count on him to be great a lot of times, but not every single week, week in and week out, there will be defenses who find ways to slow him down. Uh, Detroit has a horrible defense and still was able to take him out of the game. So I don't even know which weeks we could try to predict this week. They're going to do it this week. They're not. Uh, can I give you a duel? Love to see it. Hate to see it. Yes, please. The schedule. Love to see mm. it. Hate to see it. Because where you would love to see it, if you're a Vikings fan, is that uh, it's very winnable where you hate to see it is that as we try to go on this fantastic journey together, finding out are the Vikings for real, it's just hard to know. And it's going to be hard to know for a little while. Right. I mean, who's play when the head coach of the other team you're playing is like, yeah, I have no idea who's a quarterback. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> That's not good for them for Miami. No. I don't know who's playing quarterback on Monday. Oh. Yikes. Uh, so it's, it's fallen their way, which is really helpful for them. But do we know if it's for real? We probably won't know for quite a while. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, you're, you and I were sitting here going, are we good? Are we, are we really good? Like, are we contenders? Like, are we in the echelons of Philly and Kansas city and Baltimore and Buffalo and all these other one loss teams? Or are we kind of fraudulent? 
you know, it's really hard to say because winning in this league is hard. One doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are. Like just getting one in the W column is a really hard thing to do. And the Vikings have found ways to do it. And they have talent enough to you're like, yeah, I think we could be good. But then there's just those moments like in the third quarter, you're just like, what is happening? Like, is this this isn't the same team that I saw? And that's the part for me that I just can't guarantee. I just can't lock this team in as like a really good team. They just have too many blunders or too many moments where you're just like, no, this ain't it. Like, this is not it. Versus you watch a team like Philly, Buffalo, Kansas City, like from start to finish, there's just pedal to the floor rolling through it and then you just can tell like this team's just outclassing everyone else in every all three phases of the game vikings aren't there and they're playing against teams that just are really not there i mean if skylar thompson's playing for miami i might take a second mortgage out on the house and throw it on the vikings because my gosh that was tough to watch yeah oh yeah oh yeah i and even teddy at this point in his career i think that he kind of had some moments in New Orleans and even in Carolina where he kind of looked like, okay, Teddy's kind of come back. Uh, but it sort of reminds me of Tyrod Taylor where the injuries just piled up. At one point, the guy, when he was healthy, was a pretty good quarterback. And even when Bridgewater was just coming back. But I don't know if they've officially ruled this a concussion or not, but at least at least his third or fourth, you know, I mean, there's just been a few of those and the other injuries and he's not mobile at all at this point in his career. So, um, you know, the fact that he's even playing football is truly incredible and, and it needs to be said every time, but do you think he could beat the Vikings? Like probably not at this point. Um, so really if they don't get Tua back that, that could be another win. And it's just another thing falling your way that sort of keeps us from really knowing what you are. Uh, and, and just like kind of similarly along those lines, it's like, do, do we know yet if like Kevin O'Connell really knows what he's doing? And I think that uh, love to see it, hate to see it is kind of like, well, you love to see that he hasn't had any major, oh my gosh, what's going on, but sort of hate to see that we don't really have an answer yet on that so far. There's things that you like and things that you question a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's like, uh, oh, and, and even the close games are a love to see it, hate to see it. I was done with my article at halftime. And then I had to change it. And this is really about me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'll say this from a fan's perspective, like it's been a fun year. Yeah. You know, oh, I yeah, think, yeah. I think from our perspective of trying to dissect and are we good? Are we bad? Or who's doing this? Who's doing what? Like it's tough. It's tough on us. Cause it's like, you want to nitpick because things don't look at all the time, but at the end of the day you're four and one, but as a fan, you couldn't really ask for a better year games down to the wire I mean, you're booing at one point, you're cheering at one point, you're stuffing your face with your fat popcorn, like you're just having fun, you know, and I think that that's something that the Vikings fans haven't necessarily had in a while, like, you know, just a fun season of and thinking that goes all the way from the top down of who's running the team and following it and just the overall like feeling of Viking land is a good time. So I'm gonna love to see it of like, enjoy it because it can go off the rails at any moment and become not fun. I mean, ask the Cincinnati Bengals, right? You, you, the Vikings could very easily be in the Bengals' shoes right now. Just three games of one loss or losses right on the last play of the game. I mean, we are absolutely not far off from that. And I'll tell you, it's probably not real fun over there in Cincinnati. So enjoy it. Enjoy what we have and just keep rolling with it. And winning's fun. And I think that, that it could be, you could be five and one next week and saying, ah, who knows what could happen. Yeah. I, I think that these people who follow the team, 
were really broken last year. Yes. They were broken. I mean, beaten and shattered. Imagine Vikings fans with all they've been through being broken. Like, mm. but I think that was last year at the end. It was just like nothing, nothing is, there is no sunshine. God is far from this place. Like it just was <laughs> dark. I mean, fans weren't cheering. Like even when they played the Packers, Aaron Rodgers was like, yeah, I don't know why the fans weren't loud. It's like, cause they hate everything, Aaron. They hate everything. Uh, and they just wanted it to be over. And it was. And now even the atmosphere of the building is uh, much more, I think, intense when it's the big moments and kind of ce- celebratory when it's going well, as opposed to like, oh, good, who cares? Um, and, and that it's easier to podcast about, I have to say, mm-hmm. than feeling like, man, how do I just not like hammer everything all the time? There's a lot. There's a, uh, you want to you want to have a lot of good discussions and there was no good discussions left. It was like, so is this all Rick's fault or Mike's fault? <laughs> oh, the answer is both. Oh, so they don't speak. They don't talk to each other. That's good. <laughs> but oh. we're having fun. Yeah, we're just figuring it out, rolling with the punches. Okay, so uh, let me, uh, let's maybe wrap on this. Unless you had other love to see it, hate to see it. You had more? I have a couple from around the league. Oh, okay. Uh, well, let's, 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 uh, let's we'll, wrap, we'll finish with that. Wrap the Vikings discussion portion yes. Yes. On, on this. Just that you mentioned all those four and one teams. There's five of them in the league. Now there's about an, 80% chance you make the playoffs if you start four and one, which means one of the five will not. Is that going to be, if you had to put it down, you said, you know, make the bet. Who would you bet on the four and one team to not make the playoffs? And would it be this? Let's team? hold on. Let's roll through the four and one teams. It's Kansas city, Buffalo, Baltimore, and the Vikings. Is that what it is? Do you not have the NFL standings? I don't have the NFL standings in front of me. <laughs> Not at the moment. Okay. No. It is the Dallas Cowboys, New York oh. Giants, Minnesota Vikings, Buffalo Bills, and Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, I want to say the Cowboys just because the Cowboys always find a way to end it up and screw it up. But that defense is just unbelievable. So, it, yeah, I think I think, I think think it's the Giants. I'm going to say the Giants. You know, I, I think the Vikings have a better shot because of the division. I think the division, the NFC North is on a downswing. So I think they could find a way to I mean, even if they're 10 and seven, like, or I mean, 11 and six, like they could easily win the division, you know? And so okay. they're going to in that way versus I think Philly's going to absolutely just manhandle that division over there. And the giants are, I mean, I love Doach Dayball. I love those guys, but that is a fraudulent football team. <laughs> I want you to guess how many passing yards per game, the giants average. Oh, it can't. It's got to be under 200, like 187, 172. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you can only hand the ball to Saquon Barkley so many times. And I love that he's back, but like, you want to kill him again? Like, do you want to kill him again? Cause that's the road that you're on. If you just keep, Hey, wildcat, 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 like eventually he's going to die. Yeah. 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 Uh, or just like have his career severely shortened because you grinded him into the ground to go like nine and eight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but their jerseys are fire this year. I yes, really they like are. what you're doing there. I uh, enjoy them. so yeah, I agree with you. The giants are the easiest answer. They also have like some difficult games coming up or at least ones that will kind of prove whether they can do it or not. I think they play Jacksonville, Seattle, like teams that are middling that if they beat, then all of a sudden they're interesting. Uh, the Vikings, when you look at the schedule, it's just how is someone going to stop them enough or what part of the schedule other than when they play new England, Dallas and Buffalo, 
Um, but even if they lost all three, you're like, but what about the rest of the games? Yep. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think it's more likely to be the Giants. I also do not count it out with this team, and you shouldn't either because you were <laughs> on a team that had yeah. that mild. Five issue. and zero, oh, baby. <laughs> Five and zero oh turns into three and eight real quick. Hate to see it. Uh, hey. Okay, so what were your ones around the league? Oh, dude, that my number one hate to see it is the way that the Arizona Cardinals just absolutely, I they effed it up so bad at the end of the game, just so poorly managed. And I don't know if you can blame who you blame Murray or whoever's in Murray's ear or like, just blame someone because that was so bad of game management. And then like, I love how Justin Pugh's like comes afterwards to like at defense of the kicker. Like it's not one man's fault. It's like, well, I mean, he missed it, but no, if you want to blame someone, go blame your quarterback for sliding a yard early and then spiking the ball on third down. Like that was just such bad football for the nfl like you can't do that it just goes back to the like it all circles back to like the contract where it's like they had to pay him to study like it all circles back to that and that's never going to be a black that's a black mark on his resume forever oh yeah 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 and uh i'm sure that they leaked it so they could have like plausible deniability if it blows up they could be like we even put it in his contract that you know right so like it's not mine steve kimes fault like no this roster is your fault but that was an abomination. But also, Justin Pugh, stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. No one feels that way. No one feels that way. I have, trust me, I have been in locker rooms when the kicker missed the final kick. No one feels that way. They all think that guy blew it. And when that guy, and when that guy's surrounded by reporters asking why you blew it, all the other players are like, well, we got to answer when we blow it. So, so should he. No one thinks that that's performance art. That's a that's a dude being a, a phony pretend leader, and don't do that. That that's how, that's how I feel about that. I wouldn't say that to his face because he's very big, <laughs> but I think I just thought that that was so corny. I was just like, oh, you're trying to be like Tebow leader or something? Like, stop it. Yeah, and then and then my love to see it, you know my my love to see it is the Buffalo Bills. I'm just gonna keep saying it. Every, yeah. the, the last two weeks, like they. They were doubted, right? It's like they go down, they lose Miami, they barely do, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, here comes Pittsburgh, which is like pretty good defense. You know, they got a rookie quarterback, and they just beat the break. That's two games now in the regular season that the starting offense has not played in the fourth quarter. That doesn't happen in the NFL. Like, I can't wait for the NFC Championship, AFC Championship. I can't wait. Like, it's going to be Chiefs-Bills, and it's going to be just an absolute track meet. The crazy thing to me is always how the ball looks when Josh Allen throws it deep. It's just like, like, you know, just like I live near the airport and I hear them taking off. That's what it sounds like when he's throwing the ball. He's what two eighty yard touchdowns or whatever. It's just like the the velocity, the way that it travels through the air. There's like five quarterbacks ever who threw footballs like that. And if they're just going to throw bombs there, somebody had a screen grab of Gabriel Davis, where he was clearly double team. There's a safety over the top. Josh Allen's like, nah, no, no, no. I'll throw it so far that he'll run by those people. I mean, that, that is incredible. Uh, I love to see Cooper rush winning games because when a, the dude was in the AAF. Yep. AAF. That's not even one we recognize. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't even make it a whole season. They cut him. They cut him out of training camp and he's come out and he's won games. And he's, he's going to be in the league for the next 10 years. Oh, for sure. Like he will be a backup quarterback for the next decade. 100%. 
unless some stupid team tries to pay too much to make him like, well, maybe, Probably maybe not. he's the guy. I think they've gotten smart. Although that actually worked in the early 2000s, where it's yeah. like Seattle, like Matt Hasselback or something. <laughs> like they would just pick up these random Kurt, this Kurt Warner guy, he could be for us, right? Like that doesn't happen much anymore. I got one more. I got okay, one more. Go ahead. My last, it's a hate love. It's kind of a hate love to see it. It's just Devontae Adams losing his mind because Derek Carr is his quarterback. You know, it's just one of those things like, you're just kind of like, you know what? You had a pretty good one up there in Green Bay, buddy. You had a, you had a good thing going and you kind of blew it. And now this is what you get. Like you have a shit sandwich. You got to eat it. Like, and then he like, I guess he assaulted a like, uh, photographer camera for who like individually took himself to the hospital and they called the police and like there's a police report filed now and it's just his life's kind of in shambles out there in vegas versus you know aaron sitting back there there's like the wolverine picture where he's rubbing it like i miss you Devonte. <laughs> yeah, i miss yeah. you so much an elite meme an elite yeah. meme i'm not sure i'm not sure how i feel about well i hope the guy that he shoved is not injured because Correct. I don't even know if NFL players understand their own power. Like a wide, a wide receiver could kill you with his bare hands easily, but like, just like the guy is so jacked and so strong. like someone, someone who's six foot one or whatever, and 210 pounds should look like me, just sort of like pudgy and average, uh, not like this, you know, whatever. And so, uh, doing that, you can't put hands on somebody mm -hmm. because like you, you possess, power that can injure somebody and this, there is a part of me at the same time and i hope the guy's not severely injured if i say this but like <laughs> if you were but if you were fine come on like just get back up and push him back like, yeah <laughs> no, okay matt everyone's gonna hold him everyone's gonna hold him back everyone's gonna yeah. hold him back yeah. you're not gonna get hurt you gotta get you gotta get up you get gotta up get in his get face yours. get up and get yours uh just put the finger right in the chest get in his face uh, come on come on camera guy i i really hope he's not hurt i haven't heard that like any that it's serious because i'm it's I'm not most... life-threatening injuries is what the police report said. okay so i can't All imagine right. that it's if i can't imagine he's like broken arm if you have a bruise on your rear then you can't just don't file a police report man like man up come on now come uh, on now this league man it never ceases <laughs> to amaze right that one camera dude who got trucked by linval didn't oh nope he didn't that was his own fault too that guy should have been a no crossing side. yeah that was not linval being a jerk it was just like an accident <laughs> that guy got destroyed he got back up and he photographed the rest of the game absolutely man's game be a man <laughs> be a man all right thanks for your time jeremiah really appreciate it we will do it again uh next week uh, i'll see you later